1: Welcome to the Guilty Eyes Charged podcast. My name is Maddie Schmidt and today I'm joined by pro football focus senior college analyst Anthony Tresh. How are you?
2: Doing well. How are you doing?
1: Doing great. I appreciate you hopping on the call today.
2: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about the Chargers football in general. Just looking at before I was hopping on, I was thinking about all the offseason moves. I mean, obviously they had like the best offseason you know, put out a bunch of stuff with that and just going back, looking at their depth chart on paper, the defense, it's just absurd. So, I mean, I'm excited just as a general football fan to see what this team can do next year.
1: Me too. It's crazy the moves they've made. What's been the most biggest surprise for you with them this
2: offseason? Ooh, I don't know if anything's too surprising. I mean, obviously, some of the moves they made, I wouldn't have really projected. You know, Khalil Mack. It makes sense with the Brandon Staley connection. Of course, him being his position coach when he was with the Chicago Bears. But you know, I, I would. Ex- I was expecting them to be an aggressive team, and they've certainly been aggressive. Of course, acquiring Mack. You know, also signing. You know, J.C. Jackson, the cornerback from New England, to a massive deal. Um, just been a ball hawk over the last few years, and. Also, some underrated moves mixed in there. I really like what they did with Bryce Callahan, bringing him in. Um, I think one of the best slot cornerbacks in the NFL, win healthy. And he's proven to play at a very high level in this type of defense with that Brandon Staley run. So, you know, I don't think anything is too surprising with what they've done. I expected them to be aggressive, and they certainly have. So they're setting themselves up. There's no doubt about that.
1: The Chargers have definitely been busy this offseason, as I'm sure you have been, too, over at PFF. Tell me, what's been the most interesting project you've been working on?
2: Um, we're well, right now, just actually wrapped up our college football preview guide. It won't be as extensive in the past, but we wanted to hit on just the most important points. So we went kind of we took the big picture idea of all 65 Power 5 teams. Um, and that's including Notre Dame and actually even the ones that are joining here next year. Um, Cincinnati Houston UCF and BYU and um, just kind of broke down who they are why are they going to be what they are this upcoming season so that'll be coming out over the next few weeks So that's been kind of you know a bulk of my time um, that's for sure after the draft season but you know looking forward to the college season doing some other stuff with uh, um, behind the scenes here at PFF with the research and development department and some of the the networks we work with as well so um, definitely been busy but you know the preview guide that I just wrapped up definitely taken up a bulk of my time, that's for sure, especially with this crazy college football offseason. That's, you know, hopefully we get some breaks in there. I think coaches from what I've, from who I've talked to, they think they're coming and they really hope they're coming um, for that transfer window. But uh, that that's definitely been the most of my time.
1: I'm curious, what exactly is a day in the life of a college football analyst like?
2: Yeah, definitely definitely depends. So I, you know, in the off season, it kind of depends on the the time, right? Because the NFL draft, definitely draft focus. Um, you know, it, it's uh, like, you know, uh, it's can be long days, you know, working in football. Um, but, you know, in season, it'll be a little bit different this year. Uh, but, you know, in the past, of course, it would just be nonstop football, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, um, you know, all nighters just kind of try to, dive into our database uh pff ultimate that all 32 nfl teams and every power five program uses Um, you know we get that film early and you can pretty easy to burn through and break down everything and you have all the data there thanks to our wonderful data collection team so you know a day is pretty it's kind of hard to pinpoint because all of them are different Um, but you know this upcoming season will be a little bit different for me um working a little bit more behind the scenes so i'm very excited about that
1: What would you say is one thing most people don't understand about your job?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that's a very good question. And I think one that probably doesn't get asked about, asked enough, is just like, I think there's a lot of, um, with PFF, a lot of people just kind of pile on thinking like we all just, it's groupthink, like we're a cult and we all just come together and form these ideas and where they're just kind of ingrained to us and we stick with it. That's not the case. Like we disagree all the time and you know it's actually hard to kind of find consensus in some areas um and you know it's a lot of people think like oh pff you know this guy's the highest graded. they think he's the best player it's like that's not really the case you know you kind of have to look at the situation and especially at the collegiate level right i mean you know i think the grades are a great resource they're stable year to year i think they're a good leading indicator Right. And you kind of dive into it a little bit more because just because this guy's the highest grade tackle doesn't necessarily mean, you know, he's the best tackle um, in college football. You kind of have to go into how did he get there? Right. How did he earn that? Did it come against, you know, UL Monroe or did it come against Oklahoma that he's facing? Right. You know, some of those schools, um, you know, or was it because he was protected in a scheme, which in college you'll see, um, you know, we actually just got done talking about it at nauseum which Chargers didn't have to worry about because they had the quarterbacks at stone, but like some of these offenses, you know, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, those draft prospects, big knock on them. They just ran an offense that was kind of holding their hand and kind of held other people's hands too, like the offensive lineman, not a lot of true pass sets. So, you know, that's kind of one example there and, you know, I mean, kind of going off on a tangent here, but like that's another area where NFL coaches absolutely despise college football because sometimes it's hard to get a read on those guys. Um, but, you know, I'd say that's kind of the one thing where, A lot of people just kind of assume that everyone here, it's just a cult. We all agree on everything. It's not necessarily that the grades, they're not the be all end all. Um, But like I said, they're a good leading indicator um, as to, you know, you know, who did the best and whether or not you should kind of take stock in that, or, you know, say it's a little bit fluky and expect them to kind of come back.
1: Lots of details and lots of factors go into it. Thanks for sharing that Anthony. Okay, so we probably should move into some more Chargers-related questions just because I know a lot of LA fans are watching this right now. So let's backtrack to the draft for a little bit. Were there any Chargers draft picks that you were surprised with?
2: Um, I wouldn't say anything too surprising. Um, you know, I thought with what they did at the top with Zion Johnson, that was kind of one where a lot of people expected him, weren't be too surprised, and that's where I thought they would end up going and they ended up doing it. I thought it's a good pick for them just considering, you know, their offensive line has some very high quality pieces, right? I mean, Corey Lindsley, obviously one of the best centers in the NFL, Rashawn Slater, what he did as a rookie last year. I mean, you're just not going to see. And I think, you know, I had, I've like talked to different um, fan bases about their offensive linemen that they've drafted this year high. And it's like, hey, don't expect him to be Rashawn Slater because, you know, what he did last year you don't really see from rookies. So I think he has all pro capabilities in him. Um, But, you know, of course, there's still some missing spots there. And, you know, Zion Johnson, he fills that void. I think he's a high floor safe prospect. I mean, he's just an experienced player, um, you know, very good player at Boston College, but he really opened up my eyes at the Senior Bowl. I mean, he was pretty much a brick wall. He really held his own against some of the top competition there. And you never want to put too much investment into the Senior Bowl. I think that's almost like kind of verifies what you know, right? And if you see something different, you go back to the tape, but you you go back to Boston college. I mean, the guy was the same thing. He was just a brick wall. He's good as a pass and run blocker there. So I think he's going to be a good spot there at guard and kind of gives them options there. I'm still curious to see, um, you know, what kind of happens with the rest of the offensive line outside of Johnson Lindsley, um, and Slater. I think, you know, they have some options there. I tackle, um, you know, really what storm Norton out there in my opinion, after what we saw last year, you know, Matt Filer has experience playing tackle. Um, he's done it at a high level. He did it for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you know, I think there's some, you know, different, you know, ways they can maneuver around that offensive line. Um, you know, you have some experience, too, with some of those guards that could play tackle. So, you know, I think that was probably definitely my favorite pick of that they made. Um, you know, one of my really my favorite picks of the first round. I just thought they kind of hit the nail on the head there. So I don't think they did anything too surprising there. Of course, I wouldn't I wasn't a big fan of Isaiah Spiller coming out um I think that's kind of the sweet spot for the running back position on day three you know just you're throwing darts at that point if you can get someone on the football field that's you know that's a plus so I mean even though it's an invaluable position they kind of attacked it at the right spot but for me I wasn't you know he wasn't a player that I was too really high on so but you know at the end of the day I thought it was a good draft for him nothing too surprising kind of you know as expected there and I think they did a good job
1: Yeah, Chargers fans are definitely high on Zion Johnson. What do you think they can expect from him in his rookie year?
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think you could just expect high floor, you know, play. I don't necessarily think he can be, you know, he could be an elite player. I just think he's going to be a very solid, consistent guard. I mean, that's what he was this past year. I think he allowed no pressures in over half of his games played, which is pretty hard to do. And, you know, even in the offense he was in, he didn't necessarily was protected as some of these other guys too. Um, You know, he, he was very rarely penalized, um, you know, very disciplined player, you know, just kind of a well-oiled machine at this point. So I think that's kind of the expectation, you know, you never want to put, like I said, you know, expectations of just amazing play like Rashawn Slater. I don't think he's going to be, you know, the, the, the greatest rookie in the NFL, but I think he's going to be you know, kind of above the, the rookie average there for his position. I think he's going to be able to hold his own. I don't think you're going to see him be a liability at any point. Um, maybe he has a couple of rough games, any rookie does really in the NFL. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you piecing together the whole course of the season, I expect him to be, you know, kind of, you know, an above average offensive guard for the Los Angeles Chargers as a rookie.
1: Looking at the draft as a whole, do you regularly see teams choose from one college versus another more frequently?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. You definitely see some, some teams kind of go after it. You know, I was actually, um, I think, it was, yeah, New Orleans Saints podcast a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, the, the host there mentioned, you know, you know, New Orleans loves Ohio State and Tennessee. You know, those two schools they love. So you definitely can kind of see that there with some of the, the developmental guys. And, you know, it is also correlated with recruiting success just because, you know, a lot of, you know, you'll go back and look at all the five stars in history it's pretty rare not to see one of those five stars at least get drafted because they're five stars because they're just freak specimens. And, you know, it doesn't matter if they have success in college, they're still going to get an opportunity because they're, they're rare in some form or fashion, um, you know, compared to others at their position. So you definitely see that kind of trend there. Um, But then uh, of course you just see some teams that you don't necessarily care. I mean, a lot of these teams don't think, you know, just because we love you know Ohio State more than anything we're going to make sure we target guys from that school but you definitely can kind of see some trends there and I think that correlates to you know the recruiting factor.
1: Yeah under Telesco with the Chargers it seems like they seem to favor Notre Dame but that's transitioned a bit to Georgia players under Staley which I found interesting personally.
2: Yeah I mean it's the recruiting factor you know that's those are the those are the two you know blue blood programs so you know, I think that has something to do with it, and I think also the coaches that are there too. Um, that's something I didn't mention. I mean, you look at those two staffs. I mean, of course, Notre Dame's changed a little bit over the years. Um, you know, now Marcus Freeman the head coach, but I mean, very high quality staffs, right? They're getting the right coaching. Georgia is the best coaching staff in college football last year. They won the national championship, obviously because of all the the freak specimens, all those five stars I was talking about that they had, but also they know how to coach. Kirby Smart's one of the best coaches in the game, and. You know, the defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning, now the head coach at Oregon, he does a good job. Glenn Schumann, he was the off-ball linebacker, inside linebacker coach for him, now co-defensive coordinator with Will Muschamp, former South Carolina head coach. So, I mean, there's a lot of talent there in those coaching staff. So I think that does also kind of play a part into it.
1: The Chargers, another trend, the Chargers have transitioned into drafting linemen with excellent PFF pass blocking efficiency ratings. How well does that metric translate over to the pro level?
2: Oh, very well. I mean, I would say, you know, there's some stuff within. So cornerbacks, for example, it's very volatile year to year, right? Just because someone graded out at a high level last year doesn't mean that they're going to do it again this year, just because of the nature of the position. Um, But offensive linemen, that's the position more than anything that, you know, that, that the correlation year to year is very, very strong, right? I mean, you see someone grade out well, you typically see that trend continue unless, something that can be explained, whether it's an injury, um, a position switch, something of that nature um, kind of goes into that. Or you, you also see it with different quarterbacks, right? Because, you know, playing for, you know, someone like uh, Mac Jones versus, um, you know, Lamar Jackson is completely different in their play styles, right? I mean, you're going to have someone that holds onto the ball because they know they can escape for a little bit longer, kind of stresses out the offensive line versus someone that's going to get it out quickly. Um, both great quarterbacks, but in their different ways, but offensive linemen, they kind of have to, you know, handle the situations differently. Um, and so, you know, it's going back to your original question. Those the offensive linemen grades um, pass blocking and run blocking, those are very strong year to year. So, I mean, I, I think that's the one thing where, you know, teams use our database every day I and mean, it's kind of at their own discretion. They use it for whatever they want. They use the raw data. They use the, the actual database that we have that we built they can watch the film easily. Um, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, no team completely shuts out the grades. And I think a lot of teams kind of, you know, don't believe in it. I think that's the, the, the old-fashioned coaches, right? Some of the older guys, um, that's where the you don't know the play call type of stuff comes in. But some of those, I think, you know, more innovative teams, they understand that it's not the be-all, end-all. And they know, okay, there's something here. Why is it there? Right. And that's when I go back to the leading indicator stuff where they kind of look into it. So, you know, the the pass blocking grades and pass blocking efficiency, that, that is a very strong correlation year to year. And, you know, you also have to you do have to look at the offense by design, too. And that's where it can kind of get interesting at, you know, college football, kind of like I said, because, you know, all offense alignment are in different situations, but it's a little bit different in the NFL. That's where it's even stronger just because you're not necessarily seeing offenses that are completely different, right? I mean, all of the offenses are obviously not the same, but you're not getting someone like, um, I'm trying to, you're not getting like an Ole Miss, you know, versus, um, you know, Mississippi State or, you know, Arkansas. You know, those are completely different offenses and what they do. The offensive linemen are asked to do, do different things. So, you know, it's um, stronger at the NFL level, but, you know, that's the thing I would probably say PFF prides itself You know, the most on is just the offensive linemen, how we, you know, grade them, because I think that's probably in a world where there's really not a lot of metrics on offensive linemen. I think ours is really, it's second to none. I think it's the best out there and not even close.
1: Yeah. And those guys are essential. The Chargers know that trying to get people for Justin Herbert. Moving on, you mentioned Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I'm a Florida Gator alum, and I love college football. So tell me, Anthony, what can I expect from the Gators under head coach Billy Napier this fall?
2: It's a good question. I think they're kind of a boomer bust team, and that has to go with the quarterback position, Anthony Richardson. You know, I thought the whole situation with Dan Mullen was very interesting. I, I got a firsthand look at it because one of my colleagues, Trevor Sycamore, watching college football with him on the weekends in the office, He would just he he I couldn't watch he couldn't watch Florida he would just kind of storm out sometimes. um, I could relate. Yeah, people were frustrated with how everything went and you know rightfully so. And I thought it was interesting why he put Emory Jones in there. Obviously Emory had a lot of hype. I thought he would do well. He didn't end up doing that well. Now at Arizona State, Anthony Richardson wasn't playing early on. A lot of people were like, why why is he not going there? I mean, I remember what was it uh, a USF game, right? I mean, he had those couple highlight moments and you kind of look at it like, well. He kind of was just playing schoolyard football there. And Dan Mullen said, that's why we're not putting him in. He just kind of disregarded the entire play call and went out there. Um, And you saw it when he did get some playing time down the stretch. You kind of started to see that play style come back to buy him a little bit, going up against stiffer competition. And he definitely has the tools. I mean, he is, you know, he was a a four-star recruit. I mean, he can play, you know, the position at a high level if he pieces it all together just kind of piecing it all together and getting that decision-making kind of honed in there and understanding you see quarterbacks. I, I would say this is probably the biggest thing, and especially in today's age, like seven on seven and all this stuff. And some of these guys with the way they play the game, just very undisciplined in the way they play it, right? They just want to go out there, put the Superman cape on and go out there and make a play on their own, where it's like, you got to follow the script sometimes. So that's what I'm kind of looking for with Anthony Richardson. And I think if he can piece it together, then Florida may exceed expectations sooner rather than later. But at the end of the day, they do kind of are saying where they were last year. They're an average team. I I'm very bullish on their future. I think Billy Napier is going to do a fantastic job there. I love the defensive coordinator they have there with Patrick Tony, um, co-defensive coordinator there for him. He came over with uh, Napier from Louisiana. You know, led Louisiana to one of the best defenses in college football. You know, Florida of course last year's defense was not good. I think you know probably it's ingrained in your, into your brain and every other Florida uh, fan's brain. Uh, the Sanford game that was bad you know, really bad from a defensive standpoint. So I don't think they are going to see those performances this year. I think they're going to be one of the more improved defenses in college football. Um, but, you know, what really holds the cards there is Anthony Richardson. So I'm curious to see, I, I'm kind of leaning towards, I'm not so sure he's going to be the first round talent that kind of, some people are expecting him to be from a preseason perspective, but hopefully he proves me wrong. Like I said, he's got the tools. So I would, um, if I were a Florida fan and I, I'm, I'm telling you this, I'm telling Travis, this, telling everybody this, I would be hopeful, cautiously cautiously optimistic for this year, but hopeful that, you know, in the future, things are going to change because I'm very, I'm very much believing that Billy Napier will do that.
1: Well, I hope they change fast. Thank you so much, Anthony, for joining me today on the podcast. I really appreciate it and appreciate all the insight that you shared with us.
2: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.